All right. My name is Riley. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary, and uh, I'm married to Chesley right here. We've been married for five years. And um, for us, when we got married, if you kind of do the math a little bit, uh, we got married in 2016, uh, which was a unique time for America, as you know, with um, the election going on. Chesley had just moved from Florida to California. I'm a Californian native. Uh, We had a lot to work through um, when we first got married, Um, but we've had a great five years together, navigating different ideas, backgrounds, lifestyle changes, ways we view family, culture, school, church, everything in between. And when we were dating, uh, we talked about a lot of things, but there's only so much you can talk about uh, when you're dating. It's once you get into a room with one another, under a roof together, and start really living life together, you see, oh, I'm like this, and she's like this. We're different people. And a lot of times that can be really scary and intimidating, um, and it was for us, honestly. There was moments where we were like, oh man, this is, I don't know if we knew what we were getting ourselves into. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, man, the first few years of marriage, one of the things that, I mean, we all have different experiences with marriage. Like my marriage is gonna be different than your marriage. Um, you'll have different experiences than I've had. And that's beautiful. Like we all have these different hard, wonderful kinds of things. There's a spectrum of all kinds of experiences. But in the first few years, in mar- years of marriage, Uh, we all go through a process of discovering who we are and who our spouse is. Uh, I think it's probably one general kind of theme over those first years. A lot of discoveries about who you are individually and as a couple. And so today I wanted to talk about that kind of idea, discoveries. How do you navigate discoveries as you're going through marriage? Do you run away from them? Do you press into them? Do you bring other people into them? What, what do you do? And so I want to talk about a few of those things today. But before we do that, I just want to ask a couple questions. And if this question applies to you, raise your hand. If not, you can just keep it down. Um, no pressure. But I'm just curious who's in the, on the patio today. So do we have any unmarried people in the thing right now? Cool. A few of you. Great. How about people who have been married for less than a year? Any newlyweds? Yow. All right. How about over a year? Okay. How about over two years? How about over three years? Okay, cool. You're on the right workshop then. Great. Um, That's great. So it sounds like there's kind of like a spread going on right now. Sounds like a lot of uh, newlyweds are in the house, which is so great. Um, It's good to have you here. One last question. How many of you, when you stepped into marriage, had one idea of what it'd be like and came to find out it might be a little bit different than what you had anticipated? The few honest people. Okay, cool. I'm not asking if it was just bad right off the bat, but um, was it just different than what you expected? I think we all kind of find that in life, that uh, marriage is a bit different than we had expected. But I do believe that there are opportunities for us in marriage when we do come through new discoveries of who we are, who our spouse is, to move forward with grace and with love and with purpose. So I want to talk with you guys about that today. Um, Before we jump in, I just want to pray for us and we'll dive right in. Father, thank you so much for marriage. Thank you for how you designed it, how you've built it, and thank you for every marriage here. And I just want to pray, Lord, that you would bless every individual who is married and who is not married, people who are considering what it's going to be like to join lives 
with another person for your glory. We pray, God, that today would be a day of vision, of healing, and um, maybe even a bit of dreaming about what could really happen, a day of hope. So we pray for your spirit to be here. We ask, God, that you would move and use this time um, for your glory. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, when Chesley and I first got married, uh, we got married here in Monterey. I'm sorry, we got married in Florida. <laughs> Getting the dates mixed up. But uh, we got married in Florida, back in her hometown. And from there, we went to Nicaragua for our honeymoon. And uh, when we got there, we had this really great time of exploring this new country together and doing life together there. Uh, but I do remember one particular moment is on the second day of being there, we had just like this little kind of bungalow situation and uh, we had monkeys around and this like pool and stuff. It was, it was really special. I don't know if we'll ever do a trip like that ever again. <laughs> but uh, we were there. And I remember I, it's probably TMI, but I went to the bathroom and I brought a book with me and I was reading for a moment. And I just remember this, this overwhelming sense of panic happen over me. And uh, I didn't know what was happening. And I, I, I was having, I had a hard time breathing, I had a hard time speaking, um, a hard time reading. And uh, I was praying for a moment. I was like, God, what is happening to my body? What is, what's going on? And I came to find out after talking to some people later, I was having a panic attack on my honeymoon in the bathroom. And uh, it was pretty embarrassing. But what I came to find out was that I had now joined lives with, with another person and I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I kind of get my energy, my rest uh, by being by myself. And Chesley's uh, a little bit different in that kind of regard, but no matter where you are on that, I mean, we were together just 24 seven on that honeymoon. And I could tell like my body was not ready for this new adjustment in life. It was a new discovery for me. I was like, oh, I am not just an introvert, but I am hopelessly unaware of who I am in my body and had no idea how to even talk about this with um, my girlfriend at the time um, before we got married. And it was something we had to really navigate through. Okay, this is how I rest. This is how you rest. How are we going to build intimacy with one another in these different ways of resting um, individually and with each other? And I just say that to say that, you know, discoveries come in all shapes and sizes. In those first years of marriage, sometimes you have these kind of funnier, revelations about each other. Sometimes you have really heartbreaking ones as well. We're bringing in our histories, our family of origin into the story. We're bringing in past hurts, past confidences, um, all kinds of things into marriage. But how do we navigate through them without just isolating from one another? How do we build a team with our spouse as we discover who we are and who they are as well? And so I have just three things I wanted to share with you today about how to move through the discoveries. And I hope this is helpful for you. This is what Chesley and I have been really working um, over the past five years together on to make sure that our marriage is moving forward towards a life that honors God and um, is still a purpose. So the first thing I want to share with you is just that we can navigate through new discoveries by staying on mission. It's so funny, I didn't talk with Pastor Nate about this, but he just mentioned this in his uh, message, staying on mission. (coughs) Within marriage, we have so many different titles kind of fighting for 
our attention, we have the, the title of provider, the title of caregiver, the title of bestie, the title of DIY expert, the title of dishwasher, all kinds of different things um, in marriage. But what's so important for staying on mission as we navigate new discoveries is remembering what our titles are as believers in Christ, reminding each other of our roles in our marriage, but also in our church and in the family of God. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul has this title that he shares with the church. And he says this, Our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. Ministers of a new covenant. He wasn't talking specifically to married couples at this moment, but he was talking to a church that was comprised of unmarried and married people and saying, this is part of who you are. You are a minister of the new covenant. This might kind of sound unromantic, a little bit disconnected from marriage, but if we're to really truly live on mission as we navigate new discoveries through our marriage, we have to remember who we are what God has purposed us to do. And at the core of who we are, this is one of the things that God has made us to do, a minister of the new covenant. Now, what is a minister and what is the new covenant? A minister, according to the dictionary, is someone who attends to the needs of others. What is the new covenant? Well, if you look back in the Old Testament at the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, we see God reveal a bit of this new covenant that would be to come in the future. God said, I will put my law within them. He's speaking to his people, the Israelites, and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What God was referring to here is this moment where Jesus, the Messiah, would die for the sins of the world, allow people to experience faith in Christ, which then unifies us to God And in that process, God's word would be written inside of those people's hearts who believed in Jesus, and they would be God's people. So, a minister of the new covenant, what does this person do? A minister looks at the felt needs of the person closest to them and applies the gospel truth that God is their God and that they are God's people. How does this look in marriage? Think about this for a moment. Think about not just being a husband or a wife, but think about being a minister of the new covenant to your spouse. I know in my marriage, every single day, there are opportunities to be a minister of the new covenant in our marriage because Chesley and I, we go through life just like you go through life. We experience highs, lows, discouragements, anxieties, pains, the whole spectrum of emotions. We we feel a lot of these things day to day. And to be able in my heart to look at my wife and say, she's going through this difficult moment right now. How can I apply God's word to her soul right now? How can I allow God's spirit to allow me to speak truth into her life to help not just make the moment me a little bit easier, but to actually build her up as a woman of God, as a minister of the new covenant herself. These are the kinds of things that If we bring this kind of purpose, this kind of responsibility into our marriages, we'll find new opportunities to love and to cherish and to build up our spouses like never before. Now, it's it's probably hard to think about, you know, 
your, your spouse getting upset about, you know, you leaving your clothes on the floor and thinking like, okay, how am I going to be a minister of the new covenant right now? This is an awkward moment. But I, I would encourage you, when you wake up in the morning, when you think about your purpose for the day, if you think that way, I'd encourage you to think about that. God, can you just reveal to me moments where I can apply your truth, your word to my spouse's life? And even before that, how can I do that myself? How can I rise every single day with this understanding that I am a minister of the new covenant? How can I encourage my spouse to do that same kind of work themselves as well? There's going to be temptations to, you know, when we have new discoveries about our spouse or about ourselves, to run away. When there's a hurt, when there's a pain, I know for many of us, maybe, maybe here, we want to shut off when there's hard emotions, a hard situation. There's going to be temptations to run away. But man, if we can rise daily in the Spirit of God to say, man, it's going to be, I already know it's going to be a hard day today, just anticipating it. But as these moments pop up, I'm going to step into my role as a minister. I believe our marriages can have so much room for, for growth and for healing. I know for me and Chesley, I, just, I say all this out of experience. I feel like Chesley and I over the past five years um, have really tried to do this together. Her towards me a lot. I know for me, I, just being honest, I wrestle with a bit of just kind of social anxiety. Just get a little bit nervous when I'm with people sometimes. And I'll get kind of stressed out going into a meeting or having a conversation that I know is going to be hard. And I'll tell Chesley that sometimes. I'll just be like, look, I got this thing coming up or I had this thing happen today and it was a bummer. I don't know like what to do about it really. And she's been so kind and considerate to remind me, not using all this language, but to remind me that I've been built to be someone who's a leader. I've been built to be someone who pours confidence into people. I've been someone who's built to build relationships. And she'll remind me of that because she knows who I am. She knows what makes me tick. She knows that I love people, that I love you guys, that I care about relationships. So she sees that felt need. She's like, okay, he's purposed to do this, but this thing is distracting him from this. How can I pour God's word and his confidence into this man to help him continue on in this mission that God's put in front of him? There are going to be all kinds of opportunities like that for you and your spouse as you begin marriage with one another and understanding each other's um, faults, each other's dreams and hopes for the future. And then also understanding what kind of pulls that person out of their rhythm, what pulls them out of their groove and be able to say, man, I'm going to try to just continually encourage them into what God has made them to do. It's a beautiful way to move forward um, through discoveries. So we kind of navigate new discoveries by staying on mission, by remembering that we have a role as ministers, but we also have something to do as well. And Pastor Nan and Christina were mentioning this a bit earlier, but we stay on mission by reminding ourselves and our spouse how we fulfill God's plan by being disciple makers. Not only are we ministers of the new covenant, but we are now couples who make disciples. Making disciples is not just like a solo kind of activity. It's not just something you do when you're unmarried or you do apart from your spouse. But this is something that we do with our spouses. We have this mission in life now to think about with our calendar, 
with our budget, with our time and energy, how are we going to put effort into making disciples, helping people come into relationship with Jesus? Our, our world and our culture, our society is going to constantly tell us that we are to follow our passions, follow wealth, to follow our sexuality, to follow money, and to follow everything um, that might be good. Honestly, there's some good things, um, but will lead us to following and finding our fullest purpose in just achieving health, security, financial freedom, whatever it might be. But when we look at scripture, we see that if we're going to really truly fulfill God's plan, we're going to stay on mission as we navigate new discoveries, we're going to be disciple makers. We're going to be disciples ourselves, but also partner with our spouses to make disciples in our church, in our community as well. The great commission from Jesus before he ascended to the right hand of the Father in Matthew 28 says that we are to go make disciples, baptize people, and teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them to do. And he gives a promise that he would be with us every single step of the way. Let's talk about this for a moment because I feel like discipleship is one of those words that gets a little bit kind of lost in Christian culture and vernacular and everything. It sounds good, but what does it really mean? What is a disciple? A disciple simply, as I heard one pastor say it uh, one time, is someone who spends time with Jesus, becomes like Jesus, and then goes and does what Jesus did. Spends time with Jesus, becomes like him, and then does what he did. And what's kind of the formula that Jesus gives to his disciples? He says, make new ones, baptize them, teach them, lead them by example into lives where they themselves can follow Jesus, become like him, and do what they did themselves. And I say all this to say that, you know, we all have different missions in life. We have these different goals that we want to achieve. We have these different things we want to do with our days, with our weeks. But at the heart of it, have we made a decision in our families, in our marriages, to be disciple makers? To think about our energy and our calendars, everything we have, and say, how are we going to move forward as a married couple, but ultimately, how are we going to disciple people? How are we going to lead people into life with Jesus? Um, with this new marriage that we have. This is going to be one of the kind of forward-pointing arrows that we want to have in our marriages if we want to see our lives continue on with purpose and not just kind of continue on uh, to the point of burnout. This is stuff that as we do it together, we're actually stepping into the purposes that God has created for us to do. And being a disciple maker is really hard. Like I'm thinking about me and Chesley right now in our lives. And, you know, for the past six years, I was the young adult pastor here at the church. I had a, a set time every week where I would meet with young people. We would both. We'd meet with young people. We would disciple them, bring them into our lives, encourage them to live for Jesus. And now I'm not doing that anymore, um, just with different responsibilities going on. And now we're actually kind of in a new spot where we're like, oh yeah, so how are we going to continue being people who make disciples? Are we going to try to open up our home more? Are we going to try to go to other people's homes more? Are we going to try to do different kind of life groups? What are we going to try to do to 
make sure that we're continually pouring into people's lives. And I found that even though we don't fully know exactly what that looks like yet, we're still trying to take steps in that direction, just having the conversations about it has really united our hearts together and I believe has aligned our lives more and more um, with the heart of Jesus. And so we have a lot, to, a lot of work to do, but we're, we're trying. And I do believe that by doing this together, we are kind of just trying to follow Jesus. I feel like he's doing stuff in our lives by just trying, by just being open to him leading us. So how can we structure our lives? How can we structure our disciplines, our daily routines to be people who are making disciples constantly? When you discover something new about yourself or your spouse that kind of surprises you, maybe it's something that you weren't expecting and is a bit uncomfortable, being able to go back to our mission, being able to go back to our role as ministers of the new covenant, disciple makers, can help us frame these new discoveries in a way that we can say, how, how are we going to work through this to get to this point? How are we going to continue to move forward um, through this new discovery? So, we get through the new things by staying on mission. But not only that, we navigate through new discoveries by creating new solutions, problem solving, reconciliation, everybody's favorite thing to do, right? We create new solutions by learning how to agree with one another. By learning how to agree with one another. Oftentimes, I feel like in our marriage, new discoveries pose as forks in the road where it's like, okay, you're obviously off in this territory and I'm going this direction. But I think what we see in scripture is that oftentimes when a new discovery is made, they're not just forks in the road, although they may feel like that, they're actually potentially new opportunities to merge together into one new road together. We might have political differences within our marriage, financial differences, differences, differences about where to live, what church to go to, what community to really settle into, differences about romance, intimacy, everything in between. But what we see in scripture is that when differences come up, it's way less about who's right and who's wrong and much more about how are we going to find a new way forward together. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, Paul looks at the church and he heard about this disagreement that was going on between two women. And he said, I entreat these two women to agree in the Lord. And there's much more to his encouragement, but what you don't find in this encouragement is Paul saying, look, th- this one woman, Yoidia, Yoidia is right. Sintiche, she's totally wrong. So Sintiche, like, get your act together, get on the same page with Yoidia, okay? She knows which way to go, figure it out, and keep going forward. He didn't say anything like that. Instead, he totally chooses to, like, take his hands off what the disagreement was and just says, look, I don't even care about what the disagreement is. All I care about is you coming face to face, working out your problem, and finding some kind of agreement to move forward together in life. He just wanted to see fellowship restored. And what we do see from this is that, man, it's not just about who's right or wrong, but about making a new solution forward. When you discover something new about your spouse, maybe a different um, way of living that you, you find yourself thinking about them. You're like, man, we are really on opposite pages right now. What is your first reaction? Is it to disagree? Is it to try to get your way? Is it to 
just distance yourself and say, man, once you get on my page, then we can finally come to some kind of solution together. Do you enter into these conversations looking for a way to win or looking for a way to move forward? There's so much, I feel like there's so much to talk about with, you know, coming to new solutions together and we can't break it all down right now, but I want to encourage you that when, when you have that kind of discovery that feels like it's going to separate you, I'd encourage you to learn more about why that person has that opinion. Why do they come to that decision? Why do they want to do it that way? Because I'll tell you for me and Chesley, when we have differing views about things on the surface level we feel worlds apart just like florida and california are on opposite sides of the country we feel like our hearts oftentimes are on way opposite sides of the room but when we get to know each other and we ask each other why why do you think that way help me understand where you're coming from i believe the best about you i believe you're following jesus so like how did you come to this decision when we get into that kind of territory with one another and open ourselves up to that kind of vulnerable place where we have to expose why we believe something, how we came to this decision, we're not just getting more to the heart of the issue, we're actually developing intimacy with one another. And I believe that developing that kind of intimacy can help us really find a new solution forward, something we didn't expect in the first place. So we have to always work with one another to agree on a new solution together. But we also create new solutions by making less of ourselves and making a lot more about Jesus. One of my favorite passages in scripture is from John 13. And Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What kind of love is Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about romantic love? Is he talking about friendship kind of love? What Jesus is talking about here is a specific kind of love, and that's the word agape. If you've been in the church for a while and you've studied the word love, you probably are familiar with this word agape. Agape is a word to describe a committed, selfless, one directional kind of love that says no matter what you give back to me I'm going to continue to love and cherish and fight for you Jesus says that hey disciples if you love one another with this kind of love if you are for reconciliation with one another if you will love each other till the very end pursuing relationship fighting for one another this will be one of the greatest apologetics that you can ever display to the people around you um, for the name of Jesus. I hope you know that today, that as you come closer and closer to your spouse, as you forgive one another, reconcile, build new solutions with one another, you're not only preserving the tie that you have with your spouse, but you're actually stepping into a realm where you are now becoming a display to the people around you of what God's love can do in your life. You're becoming a signpost for the gospel message of Jesus. The way that you spend time with one another, the way you expose your life 
to other people and share how you've worked through things together and why you did that for the glory of God. These are all really just signs towards what God has done in your life and what God could do through that person's life as well. I hope you know that today, that your marriage isn't just about you and your spouse, but it's about Jesus. It's about what you can actually do to demonstrate God's love to the people around you. That covenant love, that, that attitude that I'm going to stay even if you don't want to stay. I'm going to stay no matter what happens. That kind of covenantal love speaks volumes about the covenant love that God has towards you and towards your spouse as well. So, we navigate new discoveries by creating new solutions, forgiving one another, reconciling, and loving each other. But my third thing here is that we navigate new discoveries by picking each other back up when we fall. I'm just talking about living a life of grace with your spouse. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5, Paul says to the church, because of his great love for us, because of Jesus' great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. All I want to say about this is that God not only picks us back up, but he resurrects us from the dead. And I hope you know today that just as your spouse has been dead in their transgressions, you're like, yeah, I know that. Um, and as Christ has resurrected them, so you have been dead in your transgressions and Christ has lifted you up. What I'm trying to say is that the playing field has been evened in our marriages. That grace is for each one of us today. Any sense of pride or superiority in our marriages has to be flatlined by this understanding that we have all trespassed against God. But also, God has resurrected us from that death because of His love and His grace towards us. What does that cause us to do? That says for us that, man, I can look at my spouse and whatever failure that she has, I can pick her back up knowing that God has already resurrected her, that God has resurrected me. I'm just trying to help her now live into the life that God has put in front of her to live. Rather than just trying to put a big burden on my wife, rather than trying to make her feel a certain way, trying to manipulate new emotions out of her, new desires out of her, instead I can just say, look, man, we've, we've, both, we've, both, we've both been dead. But we're both also alive as well. I know that God is ultimately doing all the work necessary for sanctification, for us to become the people that God has created us to be. So now I am simply a partner. I am simply a leader. I am simply a servant in our marriage. I am now the one who picks up my spouse. And my spouse does the same thing for me as well. When Paul says dead, he meant dead, dead. If you've seen The Princess Bride and you saw that guy on the table and he's going to the magician to help him raise back to life, and he said, is he dead? He's like, well, he's, he's dead, but he's not dead, dead, you know? And he gets him back to life. We have to know, like, this is what's happening here. Like, we weren't just dead. We were dead, dead. But Jesus has brought us back to life in the most powerful way possible. Spiritually. And one day, physically, um, we'll raise to new life with him and be able to encourage one another with that truth 
um, can bring so much hope into those early years of marriage as we're navigating all the different health issues, financial issues, sin issues, and everything in between. God has first picked us up, resurrected us, so we can now pick up and love our spouses as well. So with that, um, my prayer for you guys today is just that as you discover more and more about your spouse, as you open up yourself to becoming more vulnerable, more honest, more sincere, that you have an attitude of wanting to follow Jesus through all of it, that the things you find out wouldn't scare you away, but would lead you deeper into God's resurrection power and the hope for reconciliation and new life forward. So I just want to pray for you real quick. And I'm going to invite my, my wife up. We're going to just do a little Q&A um, with you guys. And um, yeah, I just want to pray for you. Lord, thank you so much again for marriage and for all that you've purposed us to do within marriage. It's such a blessing, Lord, to know that our marriages aren't just about each other. Although we do get, get to enjoy each other. Thank you that you've called us to something that's outside of ourselves and you've given us your spirit inside of us to live out that mission with one another for your glory. I just want to pray for every marriage here that no matter what kind of burden they're bringing into this room right now, whatever kind of failure, mishap, whatever weakness they're bringing in, Lord, we're all to some degree hurting and broken from this past year or from what has been happening in our marriages. But God, we believe that you have brought new life. We want to step into with faith the new hope that you've given us today. So we are so thankful and we love you, God. And we pray you bless this conversation now in your name. Amen.